This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I'm so thankful that Pastor Rob asked me to, to preach today because I believe I have a message from the Lord for all of us. And I want to make sure that you know I believe sincerely it's for all of us. It's something that's been resonating in my heart for about three years and uh, so I got about three years worth of material here. So Pastor Rob, I think you're watching online. I'm really glad you get to be there for that. So anyway, uh, my wife Angie couldn't be here today. Uh, one of our kids ended up having a fever, um, but they'll be okay, right? So um, it'll be good. They're watching online. So I love you, honey. I can feel that you're right here with me right now. And I'm so excited about it. Before we get started, let's go over the vision of our church. And the vision of Harvest is to make, right, grow, equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And we accomplish this through community, discipleship, and outreach. And that's what Church of the Harvest is all about, everybody. We're a community, and we are a family. That's the best way you can say it. Hopefully, for those of you that are visiting today, I hope you feel that it's a family, the family of God. And the family of God is eclectic, isn't it? And inclusive of all, for all those that bow their knee to Jesus, they get to be part of that family. Now, you're probably wondering, what's in the box, Zach? Well, believe it or not, I've been preaching for years off and on here, and I have never brought this to you to see, and um, I wanted to pull this out because it was a gift that my business partner at Edward Jones gave me several years back. And so, for those of you that think that I can have a little bit of an ego... Um, she bought me my very own bobblehead. Come on. Now, everybody wants here. And with your gift today, you can find it. The, okay. <laughs> Just, everybody's getting a bobblehead. So this is my bobblehead, and I've brought it to business meetings. Um, I've brought it to functions to networking meetings, and let's just say everybody else feels way more awkward than I do about it, so I'll leave that there just for a second. Don't be distracted. There's not a bobblehead sitting right there hanging out at you. You know, don't, don't, don't look at it. Why are you looking at it right now? I don't know why you're doing that. So this is the part where I'm trying to loosen everybody up a little bit. You're like, what does the bobblehead have to do with anything? Well, let me tell you. This is what I was thinking this morning, and we don't just need to be yes men for God. You know, going through the motions, you hear me talk about that during transition a lot, right? And so we, God doesn't want us just going through the motions with him. Where we get up, we go to church, we sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up, and then go home. He wants us to get involved with what he is doing in the world and in the earth and to get rid of anything that would try to hamper or hinder or get in the way of that, whether it's the enemy or whether it's our own flesh, our own sin nature. You know, the nice thing about, about sin is that God already took care of it with Jesus on the cross, right? So as long as we are in Christ, we have total freedom in Jesus. Now, we have to walk that freedom out, but we have total freedom in him. So the key is that we can integrate ourselves, that we can find ourselves and put ourselves in Christ Jesus. That's it. So God doesn't want us just to be yes men, because we know up here what we're supposed to do. He wants us to live out of the abundance of what he's placed on the inside of our hearts and what he's put inside of his word so that we can appropriate, there's a theological word, so that we can take as our own what God has promised us into our life. Amen? 
Amen. I like it. So, okay, enough distraction this morning. We're going to go ahead and put little Zach away there and, uh, and keep him out of the way so we're not distracted the whole time. So thank you very much. All right, so here's my first point. We already said it this morning. God is good. Yes, he is all the time. God is good, right? And it sounds a little bit like a children's message all of a sudden. I know that. There's a book I read by Bill Johnson to the kids called God is Good. So we could camp out just on God is good all day long. But you know what? The, the way people act so much, do you ever wonder if God really is good based on the way that they act? The way that some Christians act? Is it really good? They have the forlorn book. Have you ever, look, sorry, look. Have you ever seen a dog when they're upset about something or they're sad that you're leaving the house? They're very forlorn. You know, their face droops. I think that's the way a lot of Christians live. And today, I'm calling, entitling this message as faith that receives. So the first way we receive from God is understanding in the core of our being that God is good. That's the first place. Because in the core of your being, if you don't know deep down in your knower that God is good, then you won't be able to access anything else because you think that God might be trying to take something from you, keep something from you, or zap you. Have you ever felt condemnation before? Have you ever felt that way in church? Condemnation has been removed by the cross. You don't have to feel condemned for all your past mistakes, for your current mistakes, because Jesus took all of that on the cross, and God wants the best for you. He wants to know you. God himself wants to live inside of you. He is good. He's always good. He will never be bad. Everything that he does is just and right, and every one of his judgments endures forever. Now, judgment can be a bad word in the Christian world today. It's not. It just means a decision for or against. We all have to make and have judgment in our life. And how many of you know sometimes we fall on the side of, well, that wasn't very good judgment? Kind of like when I embarrassed my daughter by telling a story about her. And uh, we got back in the car. Because Megan really doesn't like to go potty sometimes. Like, she really, sorry, everybody, I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old, this is a big part of my life, and so she really fights it. And so sometimes I like to make jokes about things. Those of you that have known me a long time, I like to play, and I like to pick at people probably too much, so I was picking at my daughter in front of somebody. Not a good move. So we get back in the, in the car, and I'm like, she doesn't like to go to the bathroom. Somebody said, do you need to go, the, the kids, you need to go to the bathroom? But she doesn't like to go. Well, my eight-year-old girl, she really felt that. Daddy's making fun of her. Don't do that, Daddy, right? So we get in the car, and Angie's sitting here, and Megan's behind me, and Asher's over in the other back seat. And all of a sudden, I hear while we're driving when there's a pause in the music, which doesn't happen very often, and Megan goes, Daddy? I said, uh-oh, I can, there's a tone. My daughter already has a tone. So I feel a tone. And this is what my wife did. Angie, she immediately, in the other seat beside me while I'm driving, she goes, hmm, and just look, she's ready to listen. She's watching me. Because here it goes. So uh, Megan's like, Daddy, I was very disappointed in you. It's like, boy, this is getting bad and dramatic all at the same time. So like, sounds like her daddy. <laughs> and, 
And she goes, I was very disappointed in you when you said that about me. Daddy, it's not that I don't like going to the bathroom. It's that I only go three times a day. So, and, and, and so I, but I felt it, you know? It was a little funny, but I felt it at the same time. I was like, you know, I need to be, be careful with the words that I use. So that's where my judgments come from because I'm a talker. I'm very animated, can you tell? And, and, and sometimes I get a little bit too far in that animation. I go take things a little bit too far. And so God, God wants us to make sure that we have good judgment, and he plants his judgment on the inside. It's just a decision for or against. I could have chosen not to say and pick at my daughter in front of somebody else, right? But instead, I decided to. And though it was funny in the moment for the adults, it hurt her heart. And I want you to know that that little girl, Megan, I love her so much. I think she might be watching Daddy right now. I love you, baby. And I'm sorry I embarrassed you at that time. You know what? And we all live and we all learn. So our words have power. And as somebody that's been called to sing and called to preach and called to be on video and called to do all these different things, I have to be so careful with what I say for two reasons. One, because it impacts other people. And number two, because things happen when I say it. We're going to get to a verse that talks about that. Things happen when you say it. God created the entire universe by what? Speaking. By saying it. So whether you think so or not, whether you're like, oh, I don't know if I believe in all that stuff, whether you believe it or not doesn't make it untrue or true. It's the fact that the Bible says that it's true. Just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not true. That sounds a little bit direct, right? But true, think about that. We waste so much time arguing about stuff because we want our own way, we want our own rights, and we forget that everything that we need and have in, in God has to come through his word. Because it's always good. Now, I don't know if you have, I don't think you have this in your notes, but I want to read you some verses about the goodness of God. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Psalm 34, 8. So what I get out of that verse, if you believe God is good, that means you believe that you trust him, even when all of your circumstances are yelling at you that God isn't anywhere around you. Kind of like if a virus was released out of a bio lab somewhere in Asia and it went across the world and it infected everybody and shut down the entire world economy, that would never happen. I don't think that would ever happen. Would it happen, you think, happen? That's far-fetched sci-fi novel stuff. That wouldn't happen. Come on. I'm being a little facetious. There's your word there, uh, friend Chrissy. But it did happen, didn't it? The sci-fi novel came true two years ago. And what people are dealing with right now, they're so disillusioned. It's beyond disappointment. It's beyond discouragement. They're disillusioned. Do you ever feel like you wake up in the morning sometimes and you're just scrambling around trying to feel your way around the house? Almost like you can't see very well. Have you felt that way too? at times the last couple years? Well, what that does, when you get into a disillusioned state where you're not quite sure where you're going or what you're gonna do or how you're gonna handle things, how you're gonna get through the pain, you know what the devil does? He enters and he starts planting seeds in your brain whether or not God is 
good. Because if the enemy can shake that confidence, that trust that God is good, he can shake every other part of our Christian walk. I could stop there this morning. We just had a sermon, everybody. So God is good. Let me read a couple more verses to you. In 1 John, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. And that's the next thing. You have to know that you know that you know that you know that there's no darkness in Jesus. There's no darkness in God. Because if you think there's a hint of darkness, then you're going to question his nature and whether or not he's going to be good toward you personally. You see why that's, that's being said by John there? In James 1.17, it says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So there's the other thing. He's not going to pull the rug out from under you. He's not going to pull the wool over your eyes. God's not trying to trick you. He's not trying to keep something from you. That's what Pastor Bob has been trying to drill into us for 20 years. He's not trying to withhold from you. I hope some of you are feeling the conviction. That's a di- there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation makes you feel like there's no way out, that it'll never get better. Conviction is from God so that he shows us the solution so that we can feel convicted to remove the sin and the wrong ways of thinking. Remember, the battle is of the mind so that we can move on and go to a higher level. You don't have to stay disillusioned. You don't have to question his nature. What is the first thing that Satan did in the garden, the snake? He, he caused Adam and Eve to question his nature. You see that? So Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Ready? This is from God. You ready? Come on, charismatics. You know this word. We love to preach it and knit it on a pillow. But do we really believe it? Should I bring out the bobblehead again? Or are we just yes men and women? Do we truly believe it? Here we go, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a, f- a hope and a future. Another translation says a future and a hope. Many of you guys know some of the travails that my family's been through the last few years. My dad told me, he said, when he was in the, in the slough of despond, like John Bunyan used to say, in the depths, when he was at the, the worst point, that is the verse he clung to, to give you a future and a hope. So because God is good, because we've already dealt with it, I know you got it now, you got it, you got it, he's good, his mercies endureth forever, right? And, and he never changes, He's always consistent. There's no darkness in in God. And because of that, we can know that he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you and to give you a future and a hope. Amen? So let's move to 2 Peter 1, 3 through 9. This is the teaching portion of of what I'm going to say today. The next point is we have been given great and precious promises. Because God is good, because he's given you a future and a hope today, he's also equipped you with the things that you need so that you can fall in line or come in line with the hope and the future that he's given for you. 
You ever wonder, like, what am I called to do, Jesus? What am I called to be? Have you wondered that? I've wondered that. I've read lots of books in my life about that. How do you find your calling? How do you step into your calling? Well, the first thing you gotta know is that God will direct you. You don't have to force it. I force it. I force it way too much. Remember I told you that about judgment earlier? I make the wrong judgment. I try to force it. Some of y'all that have known me a long time, I'm gonna look at my friends in the Hamptons for a second. Zach gets in business mode, doesn't he? And I was told recently by somebody else, said, when you get that way, Zach, nobody can get in the way. You're going to blast through that wall, so I apologize uh, to, to others. And we don't need to force it. We don't have to force it. We can rest knowing that God has the perfect plan for our life. And what unlocks that plan is what I'm about to read you. You ready? 2 Peter 1, 3, 3 through 4. By his divine, nat- divine power, God has given us, I like to put already in there, God has already given us everything we need for living a godly life. Amen. Good preaching. I'm going to buy the tape. I just showed my age. Can I read that again? By his divine power, this is God himself, this is New Testament. I know I read some Old Testament. Ah, it's an Old Testament, Zach. Yeah, I need some New Testament. New Testament. We're going to talk about that. It says, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. He's already done it. It's done. It's already packed in the scriptures. He's already dropped the seed of his nature inside of your heart. He's not going to do anything else. He's not going to get back up on that cross again. He's like, I've been there. I've done that. I got the T-shirt. I went to heaven. I sat down. I'm, I'm done right now. Until I stand up again, I come on a white horse with my sword back to earth. That is going to be epic. I hope it happens while I'm still alive in this, in this world. Jesus is coming back. But before he comes back to set everything right, he has said, I have already given you all that you need for time and eternity, and it's unlocked through the promises. My grandfather in the spirit, a man named Derek Prince, who passed away in 2003, he used to say that the provision is in the promises. So if you're wondering why all this crazy stuff's happened in my life, and we've already dealt with the sin problem, now if you're in willful sin, come on, stupid, Stop. That was strong. I know. There are verses that say it, so I think I'm in good company. Come on, folks. We give far too much attention to sin. And we don't talk about it enough sometimes. Folks, it's been dealt with. Stop wallowing in it. Stop doing it. God has already given you all that you need by his divine power to live a godly life. So that means if we are still in the muck, that means that we need to step out of it. We gotta grab hold of what the promises say. You see, we complicate it so much. We complicate it so much. I've been there, I've been in the muck before. I used to have an approval addiction where I want everybody to be okay with me and I want everybody to be okay in their life and I want to fix everybody's problems. It's a great way to not have friendship. (laughs) Hello. Have you ever noticed that people generally never ask you what you think? Think back for a minute. I am in the business of giving advice. 
But even when they come into the office, there's like just kind of an understanding that they're asking me what I think, so I tell them. But you know, nobody ever really comes out and says, hey, what do you think about this, Zach? You know? So I've made it a habit in my life to ask other people what they think. You know why? Because I don't know everything. I love what my wife Angie says. She likes, I like to sit down and listen to other people. I'm like, wow, you actually like to do that? <laughs> it's okay, you can laugh. <laughs> Remember I told you that thing about the talking? So guys, if, we are, if we're wallowing around in all this stuff, if we're in the basement and we don't ever climb up to the first floor when the door is right there, all we gotta do is open it and climb up the stairs. The stairway is this, you ready? Can I read the rest of it? To live a godly life. We have, we have received all of this by coming to know him. Who's him? Jesus. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, because of Jesus, everybody, he has already given. I put in that already. I think that's the right tense in the Greek. He has already given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature, mic drop, pause, Selah, rest in his love for a minute. God himself said, I'm gonna give you a piece of my divine nature. Somebody else getting a clue this morning? God loves you so much that he wants to give you, or has already given you, his divine nature. That means you don't have to come up with the strength to live this life, what the Bible says to live, on your own. We just have to pull on the promise, pull on the nature that God's already given us. You see that? You see that? Is God bigger than drug addiction? Is God bigger than approval problems? Is God bigger than the fear of rejection? Is God bigger than cancer and multiple sclerosis and learning disabilities? Is he bigger than autism? Is he bigger than sickness, all sickness in every form? Do we live that way? Some of y'all are already back when I said the, the, the word stupid earlier. You guys are still there. I didn't call you that. I didn't call you that. I said that we are not making a wise judgment. That's what that means. When we stay in an issue, when we stay in a problem, and we don't look to God for the solution. You see? When we try to do it on our own strength, instead of just making a judgment, making a decision for or against. I'm going to live like the Bible until I see something change in my circumstances. You see that? What's the definition of insanity? Trying to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. Did you notice how 80% of you know that? How many of us live that way? Why do, I keep, why do I keep getting mad at the same stuff? Why do the same things frustrate me? 
Why do I have the same issues in talking about and thinking about and thinking about and talking about and talking about and thinking about and thinking about and talking about it? That's my personality. That's what I like to do. You see? But we keep going round and round the mountain, don't we? And we keep making excuses for not being free. So here's the most exciting verse for me in all of Scripture. It's 2 Corinthians 1.20. It says, all the promises are yes and amen. You hear that? Let me read the New King James Version. It says, for all the promises of God in him, in Jesus, capital him, are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. I want to look at it with you. Let's just pause for a second. Read that again. For all the promises of God are in him, are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Did you know that was in the Bible? Some of the promises? All the promises. For whose glory? For Jesus. See, when we tap into the divine nature on the inside of us, and we take the promises, whatever it is, whether it's healing, whether it's prosperity, whether it's a good quality of life, a good state of mind, when we tap into that, it's not for us primarily. It's to give glory to Jesus. You see? It's to lift him up. Your freedom lifts Jesus up in the world because he's the only one that can set us free, that has already set us free. You see that? And what I want you to see today, if you don't get one thing out of this sermon, is it's not about us. When we ask God for things, it's to give glory to Jesus. God delights in it because what he wants us to do when we become more like him, when we get what we pray for, he wants us to give glory to Jesus. And as we give more glory to Jesus based on the victories that we have in our life, no matter what the circumstances, it brings more glory to God and he gets more excited about that. So he wants to bless us with more things. Do you see? So my dad was playing golf once with a Jewish man. And when they were playing, they were talking about God from the Christian perspective, from Judaism's perspective. And one time when they were debating over things and talking about Jesus, I guess, all of that, well, the Jewish man went up to, to go ahead and hit his golf ball, right? And, in, and he went, before he, he swung, he looked at my dad and goes, you know, Jim, you Christians are always asking God for things. We Jews, we Jews just thank him for it. Do you know why that's powerful? Because 
one way of responding to God assumes in advance that he's already going to bless you. When you thank somebody for something, why do you thank them? Because you've already received something. Enter the gates with what? And his courts with? So I don't know about you, I'm feeling convicted and I'm, man, I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself this morning. Guys, are you like me? I don't thank God enough. Maybe the reason why you haven't received what you're supposed to have in your life, the victory you're supposed to have, is because you haven't thanked God in advance. Maybe the reason why you haven't thanked him is because you don't truly believe he wants you to have it. Am I preaching too strong? It's not just you, it's me. So all the promises are yes and amen in Christ. There's my paraphrase. All of them. So earlier when you said, when, here we go, Jeremiah 29, 11 again, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future hope. Somebody watching and listening, somebody eventually, when they hear this, are going to say, well, that's the Old Testament, and that was for the children of Israel. Uh-uh, nope, whoop, let's back up just a second. Actually, let's fast forward and flip a few more pages in the book, and let's go, right, to 2 Corinthians 1.20. It says all of the promises are yes. All of them. When the, when the New Testament was being written, what, what, was all, what were all the scriptures they had? Where did they come from? The Old Testament. The New Testament believers didn't have the New Testament. Mind bomb, drop. Come on, folks. We got some logic in here today. Hello. They didn't have the, the, the New Testament. It hadn't been written yet. And even if it had been written, parts of it, they were being circulated. They didn't have printers like we do. You had to wait. We're so blessed. We have all the words that God has put his approval on in the Bible, and we have multiple translations for free online. You see how blessed we are? He's given us his great and precious promises. That means that every promise in the Old Testament applies to you personally and to your family and to your church and to your community and to your state and to this nation. You see? God's just wondering if you're going to believe it. It's very quiet in this Presbyterian church today. Next point. So we've seen that the provisions and the promises, right? Because God has great plans for us, and he has great plans for us because he is good. See how I just walked that back up? So God keeps his promises. That goes back to God is good. But he keeps his promises. It says in Numbers 23, God is not a man, so he doesn't lie. I heard somebody say real close to me, he said, all men lie. That's true. We all lie sometimes. Come on. We tell little white lies at least, right? We shift it, justify something a little bit. 
God never does that. Is that not amazing? God never lies. You know why? Because he's not a man. Primarily. But then this is how amazing God is, everybody. But because he loves us so much, he became a man. So that you could be with him, the God-man race forevermore. He stooped down and came to our level when he didn't have to. Isn't that amazing? He's not a man that, so he doesn't lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it, carried it through? So I have this in bold, and this might be another ouch today. If it isn't God, then who is the bottleneck? <laughs> oh. Ouch. Who's the bottleneck? And it's this. It's between our own two ears. It's when we speak. Remember what I said about God creating the whole world with his words? Remember that? When you say things like, I always feel sick. Or I'll never do that. So a little self-condemnation going on there. I'll never be free. I'll never kick this issue. My daddy was like that, so I'm like that. What are you speaking? They'll never love me. They always mistreat me. I always get overlooked at my job. Folks, I've said these things. It stops up the plan that God has for you. Because guess what? We get what we say. So if God's not the bottleneck and we've dealt with our own issues and our own sin, then guess who else is part of the bottleneck? The devil. But I have good news for you. It says that greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. He has made us more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Right? We are more than overcomers. I like to say that. We are unstoppable in Christ. That means he's dealt with the enemy too. He's been disarmed. He's been made a public display. He's been held up without any ability to stop us unless we allow him to. You see? So he dealt with sin over here, and now he's dealt with the enemy over here, Satan and his demons. He's dealt with that stuff. So he dealt with the inside, us, and he dealt with the outside. So all we have to do is learn how to stand, and when you've done all that you can do to stand, Ephesians. Elder Robert, you like Ephesians, right? You like that chapter. When you've done all that you can do to stand, what does he say? Stand some more. Your time, a reckoning is coming for you in your life today. A time of victory is just beyond the pass. It's right over the next foothill. It might be over that mountain, but it's coming. Here we go. 
Now some deep theology. It might not happen until we're on the other side. Can you hold on long enough? The Bible says many times, those who endure to the end will be saved. It's just a matter of time. So some of you are like, well, my grandma died of cancer. And we prayed for her. The preacher came. Can I deal with that for a minute? We don't know what grandma was thinking on the inside of her. Or after everybody left, what she was saying. She might have wanted to go home. Okay? So don't assume just because somebody else didn't receive doesn't mean that you can't receive. I'm talking to my friends this morning. Right? Don't make an excuse for, oh, this is strong, guys, for your lack of faith or your bad habits because of somebody else's lack of victory. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it, y'all. Jesus wants some glory. Don't make excuses not to give him glory because when you get the answer, when you get the victory watching online, then you can give Jesus glory saying, I asked God for this. I believed God for this. And now it has happened, everybody. It's happened. It's come into fruition. I pulled it into existence in faith. And that's where we're going next in the sermon. So I've done a lot of teaching this morning. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. You see how this is coming back full circle? It goes back to the character, what do we believe in God for? What, we, what do we believe him to be? We have to hold tightly. So here's another key point. You ready for it? I got it in bold. I want it stamped on my forehead, but my forehead's already pretty big, so I don't want people to get distracted by it. So, you know, a delay, you're going to want to write this down, is not, say it, everybody. A delay is not a denial. Can we get that in our heads today? Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Oh, that's not in my notes. The Holy Spirit just said that. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That's what faith is about. You can't, can you see God? Come on. Can you see him right now? Is he, is he standing right here right in front of me? Can you see him? You believe he, he's there though, right? Well, not there. It, he's, he's not right there. But it, you believe he exists, right? Huh? Right? That's what faith is. Faith is believing in the unseen and then lassoing what's unseen and pulling it into the scene. You see, that's how God gets glory. So some of you got to deal with this. I said it earlier, but see, we can make it an excuse too. I said it earlier. Some of us might have to wait to see the fruition of the promise in eternity. Uh, okay, that's, let's just go ahead and say that explains a lot of stuff, right? Okay, the Bible says in Deuteron Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord, but those things that are revealed are for his children, can you, can you finish it? Forever. 
So that means we can't lose. You can't lose. I'm going to say it again. You're unstoppable in Christ Jesus. I'm unstoppable. You can't, folks, you can't lose. Do you understand what a blessing that is? We can't lose. The worst thing that can happen is that we pass on to eternity and then we get all of it. All of it all of a sudden. Come on, that's a place to clap. So I want to tell you a story. I've been singing in my life and on stage since I was 10 or 11 years old. And so the stage has just been a part of my life. And I was in a Christian rap group, I know, can't you tell? <laughs> a Christian rap group 20-something years ago called Crosswalk. And uh, me and my brother Will and a, another brother named John. And because of my own insecurities, that approval addiction I told you about, remember? God had to take it from me because I couldn't handle the attention correctly. And the group broke up after three years. The other thing is I think I was kind of a bit of a poser because I wanted to be Toby Mac. And, you know, I was talking about the life of a hustler and how God can save those people. Do I look like I know anything about any of that stuff? So I was a poser. So I also had some of those things too. And my wife Angie told me when we were in college after we all broke up, she said, I never, ever would have married you if you were still doing that. So <laughs> I got a revelation real quick right there. But all joking aside, what I told the Lord in college when he was dealing with my pride issue, my pride problem, guys, I liked it. I, I loved it. I fueled off of that. I fueled off of that attention. I had a record deal, and it blew up because of my arrogance. And so I told Angie I, when we were dating in college, I told her I'm not going to ever sing on stage again until God asks me. It's kind of a bold statement, isn't it? Until God asked me. So we got married, and we moved to Memphis, and we started looking for a church. And long story short, we centered on a church, a little church, um, called Church of the Harvest. And I came, and we joined, and one year later, one year later, I was watching a video by a lady that you might have heard of, maybe, named Darling Check at Hillsong. It was the For All You've Done album. Angie was here doing some dance routines for some interpretive worship. And I was there by myself in our apartment at the time. I was 24, 25 years old. And I was watching that video, and I literally heard almost audibly, not quite, but almost audibly, God say, I want you to do that. And all of a sudden, within just a few weeks, Jack Rowell, where are you, Jack? He was our worship leader at the time. Came down. I was sitting right behind Pastor Bob at the old, uh, old church building. He came down and he hugged me and said, Brother, when are you going to start using your gift for the, the Lord? The worship leader of my church. And I looked at him and I said, Brother Jack, you haven't even ever heard me sing. And you know what he told me? I'll never forget it. He said, I don't have to. When are you going to use your gift for the Lord? Isn't that not amazing? I told Angie, I will not sing on stage again until God asks me. So God speaks through our leaders. You see that? And so I got on the stage, 
There's a reason why I'm telling you this story. And I helped lead praise and worship for about six or seven years here. But folks, I dealt with a lot of the pride issues in my life, but I hadn't fully dealt with the approval addiction. And so what happened, some of you, can I call you old timers like me? Some of you old timers at Church of the Harvest, you may have wondered about 12 years ago, what happened to Zach? Why isn't he singing anymore? You might, you might have wondered that. I never explained that, did I? And I won't go into a lot of details, but God had to remove an idol in my life. Because I, I received my validation by leading worship. Remember, he gives us the giftings and the promises so that we can glorify Jesus. And when you're a public person, whether it's small or great, God's not going to share the glory, especially when you're saying you're doing it for him. And so it's for a story another day, but God used a lot of circumstances in my life to force me to deal with that approval addiction and that idolatry in my life. Besides me, you shall have no other. That's what the Bible says. Besides him as God, he will have no other gods before him. And so I had to step down, kicking and screaming from worship. And he warned me. But the reason why I'm crying is because fast forward 12 years later, in almost a moment, some of you would call it an accident. One year ago, God has resurrected all of that in my life and magnified it times 10. And all of you in here, and I'm going to leave you in the suspense on purpose, all of you in here are about to see an explosion happen in my life because rejoice with me, church. I've finally dealt with the pride and the idolatry in my life. And we have buried that thing to die forevermore. Amen? But you know when God's clock for singing and worship started all over again? It's when Angie prophetically told me five years ago, maybe more, she said, honey, I know how much you want to lead worship. I know how much you want to sing be on stage, but maybe God's saying that one day in eternity, that's what you'll do. And I had to get okay with that, right? Because it was my own sin, and now guess who, who's about to call someone stupid? It was my own stupidity that got in the way. But God is about to bring it all back to life. Amen? I'll tell you more about that soon. Let's give God glory this morning. <laughs> Next point, God is a rewarder. It says in Hebrews eleven six, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists 
and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Why? Because he's good. I'm going to finish this sermon. Are you guys still with me? Are you still with me? So how would you like to know how to receive what I'm experiencing right now in my life? Would you like to know that? Let's talk about faith for a minute. It says faith is, excuse me, everybody. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Remember what I told you? If you can see it, it's not faith. Or just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right? By the way, the rain is the sign of God's blessing. I think there's a reason why it's raining right now. It's raining, and it want, God wants to rain on you. He wants to lift you up and put his glory for all the world to see so that he gets glory and people come to Jesus. Faith is substance, everybody. It's substance. All right? So the key to receiving the great and precious promises is, number one, it's to know that they're for you, that God has already given them to you as Christians, that he's already provided for you. Number two, the only way to, to have them is to know what they are. <laughs> so you have to read your Bible. You got to study it. You have to come to church. You got to watch things online. You got to buy the CD. You got to watch. You got to stream it. Guys, we have anything and everything we want. The greatest preachers on earth. There's no excuse. There's no excuse to not know what God has for you. No excuse. Now, I'm not saying that we have to know everything and we need to meet with people, meet with our pastors and pray and all that, but there's no excuse not to at least know what God has provided. You see? So if you're not sure, that means you've got to read your Bible. All right? The next thing is, faith is substance to hope. So the promise should rise and resurrect hope or give hope to us. If it says that Jesus took our sickness that we might have health, right? It says that in the Bible, by the way, multiple times, right? If he, on his own body, took our sickness so that we might have health, that means that God wants it for us, now or in the future, okay? And so the way we pull on it is faith is the substance of things hoped for, is we take faith, I can't see it, but I know it's real, I know it's true, and I know that God's already provided for me, so the faith hooks onto that hope. You see that? Are you getting the me mental picture? Remember the lasso? It hooks onto hope, and as long as we keep on believing, to the end, no matter what, if I rot and I pass on to the next life, I'm going to keep believing because that's what God has called me to do, and God gets glory through my faith. That even though I can't see it, I know it's mine, now or in the future. It's mine. I'm unstoppable. Say that. I'm unstoppable. Say it again. I'm unstoppable in Christ.
So faith is the substance of things hoped for. So the way we create more substance is by declaring the promise, speaking it forth, living like we believe it, right? Not mixing it with doubt and negative words, okay? And we hold fast to the promise, to the hope that God's given us until we pull it into existence. It's like the old TVs. A long time ago when I was a kid, you had to adjust, the, you had to adjust it, remember, to get the focus to come on? Y'all remember those giant satellite dishes? Who lived out in the country? Come on, anybody else? Those giant, I mean the big ones, the ones you walked up in there and all of a sudden your brother left? Like, where did Will go? No, so, and then you would have this thing, this dial that would tweak it, go, trying to get a picture. Faith is what makes the promise clear. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Okay? So, you ready for this? You might want to get ready and write this down. How can you bring substance to something you don't have? You have to have hope. You have to have hope. Do you see what the enemy's tried to do the last two years to all of us? He's tried to take our hope. Because if he can take our hope, there's nothing for faith to attach to. We're just flailing about. We're just wondering. We're wondering, well, maybe this is God. Maybe, 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 maybe. No maybes. Hope is a confident expectation that something good is coming to pass. It's not a maybe so. We say this in like, well, I hope it won't rain. Well, I hope they'll love me. Well, I hope that movie's good. You see what I mean? Well, I hope I'll enjoy that food. That's maybe, maybe so. It might happen. I kind of wish it would. You know, I hope hope it'll happen. No, biblical hope is saying I am confident. It says it in God's word. He spoke to my heart. I believe it no matter what. I will always believe that the hope is for me and that it's coming to me even if I have to wait until eternity. But here's the amazing thing about God. When we get that in us and we constantly live and act and speak, that faith turns the dial, it turns the knob on the old TV set, it takes the old rabbit ears and it moves it in the right spot and then all of a sudden, it seems like all of a sudden, boom, it comes into being. Is that not amazing? So I got five minutes. So let me read this last thing. And I think this will be a good handoff for Pastor Bob next week. It says, your power is in your saying and believing. So Mark eleven twenty two through 24 says, Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain. Does anybody else have a mountain in their life? You got a mountain in your life? You can say to this mountain. Notice it says you can say To this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. Read the rest. And it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. So there's the bottleneck. It's the doubt. It clouds it. It mixes it. God's not going to mix this with doubt. If you have the wrong ingredients in a recipe, it's not going to taste good, is it, folks? If one instrument in that hundred-piece symphony is off-key, everybody's going to hear it. So you might have something off-key in your life right now. You might have something off-key. you got to get rid of that. That's the bottleneck. 
It's not the essence of you. God took care of that. He loves you. He's empowered you. He's given you his divine nature. It's good. You're good. Your heart is good, everybody. Your heart is good. But how many of you know that we got to walk this thing out, right? And that's called sanctification. God putting his finger on this and then this and then this for us to remove it. Because as we clear out the mud and we clear out the stones and we dig it all out, the water in the well is at the bottom. Do you see that? We're trying to get to the water in the well in the ground. We got to clear out all the dross in order to get to that well. That's what God's wanting. So let's finish this. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray, here we go, mind bomb. You can pray for anything, and if you believe that you have, I'm going to put already in there, already received it, it will be yours. See how quiet it just got? Did you know that was in the Bible? If you pray for anything, it will be yours. Is God limiting us? Now, okay, i got to say this because I'm going to get somebody out there that's going to tell me this. I'm not talking about sinful things. Come on, folks. Can we get beyond that today? I always hear, whenever I preach this message, I always hear somebody say, well, you didn't mention about sinful things, that people can't have that. Of course not. I'm not dealing with that. God already dealt with sin. I'm talking about the things that are promised in Scripture. No limitations. Unstoppable. God wants us, as, as I close, this could be a whole other sermon. God wants us to hook onto the promise, the hope. The promise is the hope. The hope. And believe it until we see it. That's how we pull it into our existence. No matter what. You have to have a no matter what attitude. Burn the bridge. There's no plan B. I'm going to believe this, and if I pass on to eternity, I'll have it there. But I want it here. And it's amazing when we get that resolute in God for the promise of Scripture, whatever it is, then it ends up happening. And I believe that there are things in y'all's hearts that have about to come forth if you will just hold on a little bit longer. Can we do that together? So here's the key. You have to believe that you have already received what God has provided in order for us to see it happen. That's the key. Believe that it's already done in God. And all you're doing is maintaining, standing in faith, holding fast to your confession without wavering until you see it come forth in your life. Did you get something out of this this morning? Can we give God praise? All right, worship team, why don't you come back up here? Let's finish this thing out. So some of you may still be a little mad at me for saying a few things today, for being real strong. But it's not mad. You're mad because you're convicted. I'm preaching the words of life today. As the worship team starts playing here in just a minute, I want us just to think and look inside. Let's all bow our heads. This is a moment just between you and the Lord.
Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be here in an even stronger way than you already are now. I ask that you'd saturate each person, and you'd fill us, and you'd grant to us a quick victory. So I really believe that there are things while I was preaching in each of us here that God is putting his finger on. He's putting his finger, and he's saying, my child, I need you to deal with that. This is what's clogging up the well. This is the bottleneck in your life. This is why you haven't received what I have for you. And I would encourage each of you to write that down. Some of you have made so many excuses for the problems in your life for so many years, you don't even know the way out anymore. You're actually in the well, covered up with all the debris. And you know what? That's why God gives us people to help us out, to dig us out. And it's okay if you're in that spot, okay? The key is that we dig ourselves out. We go get help until we see the promise. I get it, I get it. There are some things we gotta work through. Sometimes we need professional counseling. Sometimes we need professional help. But I really believe there's a few people in this room that God's telling you to get rid of something really, really big in your life. It could be a wrong relationship. It could be a bad friendship. It could be that you haven't moved to the right area of the country. It could be that you didn't quit your job when you were supposed to. It could be that you bought that car, that luxury vehicle, when you shouldn't have bought the luxury vehicle. By the way, I'm saying a lot of these things because I've made these mistakes. It could be that you're looking after something else to give you validation instead of God himself. So as the prayer partners come forward, come on prayer partners, I'm gonna ask several of you to just be bold. You know, the Bible says when we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive our sin. And then what does he do? cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess your sins one to another and be healed. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277.